The Old Testament reading for this morning comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning in the 49th chapter at the first verse. And Isaiah wrote these things. Listen, far-flung islands. Pay attention, faraway people. God put me to work from the day I was born. The moment I entered the world, he named me. He gave me speech that would cut and penetrate. He kept his hand on me to protect me. He made me his straight arrow and hid me in his quiver. He said to me, you're my dear servant, Israel, through whom I'll shine. But I said, I've worked for nothing. I've nothing to show for a life of hard work. Nevertheless, I'll let God have the last word. I'll let him pronounce his verdict. And now God says, this God who took me in hand from the moment of birth to be his servant, to bring Jacob back home to him, to set a reunion for Israel. What an honor for me in God's eyes, that God should be my strength. He says, but that's not a big enough job for my servant just to recover the tribes of Jacob, merely to round up the strays of Israel. I'm setting you up as a light for the nations so that my salvation becomes global. God, Redeemer of Israel, the Holy of Israel, says to the despised one, kicked around by the nations, slave labor to the ruling class, kings will see, get to their feet, the princes too, and then fall on their faces in homage because of God who has faithfully kept his word, the Holy of Israel, who has chosen you. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh Lord, we're in church today because you have called us, invited us, summoned us here. And we are here not because we search for you, but rather because you searched for us, found us, claimed us, and gave us jobs to do in your kingdom. And sometimes we are amazed by your faith in us. There are times, too, when we think that we do not have the gifts or abilities to do what you expect of us. Yet you have called us, chosen us. Help us to have as much faith in ourselves as you have in us, and give us what we need to do your work. This we ask for the sake of your kingdom, and because we worship today because of you. Amen. Now listen up, my friends. Listen to the story of the servant of God. Gather round and hear the tale of every servant of God. Bend an ear, and you just might discover your story, yours and mine. For if we serve God, God names us servant. So pay attention. The servant story can be ours as well. Now the Lord called us long ago, before we were born, before the clocks of time began to spin, God chose us, plucked us right off the shelf, 
and said, yep, you'll do just fine. And while we swam asleep in our mother's womb, the hand of God just hovered over us. Like the prophet Samuel, God's answer to his barren mother Hannah's prayers, who lived in the Lord's house from the time he was a wee little boy. Like Rosa Parks, too weary to move to the back of the bus, and too weary of soul to be inclined to, who ignited the civil rights revolution. And Faith claims that she was chosen for that prophetic role from the beginning. And we too, you and I, have known a nagging sense that we could not get away from, try as we might. Sudden tears from out of nowhere at church camp services. Tingles up the spine as we hold our candles high, singing Silent Night. Or finally giving in after running and running for years away from that God summons. Yes, we all have known the call of God. From our birth, from the womb, God has set us on our path, formed our abilities, helped to improve our talents by hand. Even before we were born, God called us, and God gave us a role, servant, agents in this world through whom God will be glorified. Now, servant of God, that's a mighty fine title to have. Glorified through us, who could ask for more? We've built crystal cathedrals ablaze with light. Thousands will just stream to our doors to give praise to their God. God's humble servants will witness mighty acts of power, and maybe even perform a few. Why not? God cannot fail. Success is guaranteed. I think servant fits us quite well. Yes, servants of God. But failure has dogged these servant steps. The truth is, we've often just knocked ourselves out, and nothing seemingly happens. You can be part of a committee that plans an organizational meeting for some new social agency and you drench the media with public service announcements. You run off hundreds of handouts, set up the chairs, lay out the refreshments and three people show up, including a reporter from a local newspaper. You can plan a heroin awareness program in the middle of a community which is suffering from addiction and nobody comes. Working to bring in the kingdom? Put your hand in a bucket of water, pull it out, look at the hole that it leaves. All too often, we feel like we've labored in vain. This is the glamorous life of a servant. We feel like we spend our strength on nothing. But you press on anyway, you keep on going because servants of God know that you must keep going. You've got to persevere and trust. And Sunday mornings they come and go and most of them, if we're honest, kind of run together. But now and then, the clouds part and a sudden beam of light shoots forth. A teenager whispers, I never knew God could be like that. A man enters your office to tell you that Sunday's sermon helped him move away from committing adultery. You just never know. You walk by faith and not by sight. 
And just when you feel like throwing in the towel, God plants some completely unexpected gift of grace. So you keep on giving. Surely this is God's will, yes. Surely serving God is helping somebody. So you keep on serving with complete trust. You keep on. And then God staggers our souls with a new task. A grand new vision of servanthood. And like a polished arrow, these words dart from the mouth of God's servant. And it changes everything. I have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that one day my four little children will live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And this is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to work together, pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand for freedom together, knowing we will be free one day. That was perhaps Dr. King's finest moment. A more moving and heartfelt speech has seldom been uttered in our nation's history. And it changed things because one God's servant felt a call on his heart and worked to make the world a better place. Hear me this morning. We have all been chosen. So today, may we boldly ask God to grant us a life with such meaning that the world will be better not only because of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but also because of you and because of me. Amen.